This is the Gallinach Masters Cycling Podcast. I'm Norman Blissett, your host for the show. Gallinach Masters Cycling is a global community of 50 years and older cyclists who support each other to love life through riding our bikes. Each week we share inspiring stories from our riders around the world, showcase great places to ride our bikes and give tips to help you get fitter, healthier and more confident on the bike. Welcome to this Gallinac Master Cycling podcast. I'm Norman Blissett, uh, your host for the show and my co-host, as always, Foggy. Chris Foggin, how are you today, Foggy? Yeah, Kiora from New Zealand. Very well, thank you. I'm enjoying a little bit of cloud today, which is good. Well, I'm, I feel that I ought to talk about the weather because I always talk about the weather and... and well, I introduced it. Yeah, <laughs> and it's always bad, but it's been, it's been spring-like here for the last... Cool. The last few days so it's been yeah i've been getting out every day it's been fantastic Excellent. yeah and uh, yeah on sunday in particular it was uh it was well it's not it, you know compared to what it was it's not warm at all but just to be able to get out in the sunshine and not be freezing cold or wet is just um yeah, it makes just, you happy it does just wonderful so uh, there's there's a little bit of what i've been up to what have you been up to over the last week all right we, we had uh, another really good ride uh over the weekend which was uh joined in a a family event uh, which goes through private land um, uh, in Queenstown area. And we added, just because that's quite short, we added in um, a, a loop around some of the Queenstown trails, um, which are pretty spectacular trails. Again, they're just sort of uh, really well built. Um, and I've been preparing uh, a bit of stuff for uh, this this program I've put together called Cycling Uncovered. I've got um, just locally, I've got about um, nine people coming to the first workshop tonight, which is I was introduced uh, basic maintenance, so changing tubes and looking after your chain, that sort of stuff. So I've been trying to prepare that. And the last thing I've been doing is desperately hunting for a, uh, some employment because uh, I finish up this week with Cycling New Zealand. So fun times. But good that you're taking the initiative and, and setting up your, uh, your, oh, your own stuff. It. Yeah. Yeah, it's, I can't sit still, mate. Yeah. At the end of the day, so, so you know I've got to keep doing stuff. So if um, if nothing comes along in terms of full time employment at the moment, I've got plenty of uh, plenty of things to keep me occupied. That's for sure. Good, glad to hear it. Keeping you out of yeah. trouble. Yeah. Oh, it keeps me off the streets. Keeps you off the yes. streets. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we've got an interview with Alex Reeves from Charlotte's Tandems coming up in a few minutes. Continuing the tandem theme, we've had. We had Richard Peplow on previous podcast and and before that we yeah. had Kat and Raz the from Tandem Wow, the tandem cyclists around the world who I'm still in complete awe of what they what they did and their and their fantastic um story. Um, but before we go into that, one one of the other things that I've been doing over the last week is is watching the new GCN Plus subscription channel because they have They've just launched this. They launched it at the beginning of last week, and they have got some absolutely amazing feature-length films and documentaries of all sorts of things that they've been up to. They've got a they've got just brilliant one with Mark Beaumont, who's the now the world record holder for cycling around the world. He did it in about seventeen and a half, seventy nine days. He was trying to do it in under eighty days, two hundred forty miles a day. Um, and so, so basically, this is like a documentary film following him. 
uh, round the world. He goes not too far away from you, actually, Foggy, at one point, because he arrives into Invercargill. Oh, he came through. Yeah, he, he, and, he definitely yeah. came through here. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, it's, yeah, and the highs and lows of that, just just incredible film. They, there's another one that Mark Moment did with one of the other presenters, James Losley, I think it is Losley Williams, um, where they, they found the longest descent. So they basically... Remember when we watched Danny McCaskill cart his um, yes. mountain bike up to the top of that peak in the sky? Well, they 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 take that a bit further. They they climbed for days and days uh, to get up to the top of the I think the highest volcano. There's maybe something like the sick. Well, anyway, very a very high volcano yeah. in South America, and then rode down, um, rode all the way down to the Pacific Ocean. And it's just again, it's actually it's more about hill climbing and acclimatizing and going up to these yeah. like six and a half thousand meters or so i think it was at the at the top of it something something like that um, wow. but then the, just the just the sheer joy of them coming back down on their on their mountain bikes was um was fantastic and then the, the one that i watched last night was about penny farthings and um Mark Bowman, who, who's, who, you know, who's a, an incredible endurance cyclist, decided that he wanted to take on the 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 world record, the world hour record for penny farthings, and it was previously held by an American, which was set in eighteen eighty six. American guy called William A. Rowe, who was a who was basically a professional cyclist. He just, I think, he broke the penny farthing hour record a few times in in the states, and he did he did it in twenty two. Well, he did he did twenty two. Um, 0.09 miles, which is just over 35 kilometres in in the hour. It was paced to do it, so it wasn't a solo effort. But even so, yeah. on a penny farthing, it's pretty pretty impressive. So Mark Mark it is impressive. Yeah, Mark Bowman had uh, attempted to break that record a couple of years ago at Herne Hill Velodrome, which is the velodrome was built in the late 1900s. And it was also used for the 1948 Olympic Games cycling as well. And yeah. a fantastic venue in, in, in South London. So he, he had a go at trying to break it and he just failed. He did, did just under 22 miles. He broke the British record, but didn't quite, quite get the world record. So in this in this GCN documentary, he gets together with this James Losley Williams, who's an ex-professional cyclist, and Chris Opie, who's a just retired professional cyclist. So they're you know two good quality pro road racers, um, and they decide that they they're going to try and take on this world record. So they start doing start off yeah. indoor. So they went to the Lee Valley Velodrome, which is the velodrome in London, um, which had the, hosted the 2012 Olympics, and they and they tried it in there. And it's I mean it's it's part hilarious, part terrifying watching them getting to grips with this uh with a, uh, you know, even just getting on the penny farthing and getting going yeah. and wobbling about the place and anyway so they, they eventually they, they all three of them went for the record and tried to do it indoors and they didn't they didn't break the record and actually james losley williams the the setup was just a bit he was just a bit too small for the setup and with about right. half an hour to go you could see i mean it's part funny part excruciating you could see how much pain he was in because basically his his legs were overextending to pedal yeah. and I was pulling pulling his butt down onto the saddle and it was getting more and more painful and with fifteen minutes to go, he's at you know he's he's like screaming in pain <laughs> as he's going around there yeah and and the the camera kind of pans to Mark Bowman who says I don't think he's gonna he's not gonna finish this anyway he does finish it. But in finishing it, he yeah. does this ridiculous wobble, you know, trying to grab on to, you know, <laughs> and pretty much falls off. But um, 
Yeah, he's a he's a he's a character because he's absolutely hard as news. Anyway, the the long shot is that they then went back to Hernhill Velodrome and the three of them paced each other, and Chris Ope was the one that got the world record and took it over to, yeah, right. just over twenty two miles. So he just they just beat it by by a shade. I mean, they're using basically the same bike style of bike right, so okay. there wasn't any yeah. particularly different about the bikes but they had aero helmets on and clipping pedals and so yeah. on so they had a little bit of an advantage so they only, they only just beat that and these are you know serious professional athletes so it just goes to show how incredible that record was back in oh definitely in and how tough the rider was oh, yeah yeah and yeah. un, un, you know unbelievable and that that then led me on to think about what are the other tandem records and not tandem um penny farthing records uh, out there and um, so I looked up Land's End to John O'Groats which is it's about eight, well, it's 874 miles four, just a shade under 1400 kilometres and it, somebody just yeah. quite recently broke the the world record on a penny farthing do you want to do you know what, the, what it might be how, how long in terms of time, time yeah oh, I've no idea I know it takes days and days on a normal conventional bike so I wouldn't this, know, mate. I wouldn't even hazard a guess. This guy is called, I'm not sure, I'm going to mispronounce his name, Toddy, T-H-O-D-A-Y, Richard Toddy. Um, yeah. Did it four days, 12 hours. So that's... No way. That's um, 194 miles, 311 kilometres a day that he did. That's on a penny farthing. Um, uh, you know, that's that's pretty impressive. The, 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 the previous record was from 1886, so again, you know, there's obviously these penny farthing world record hold, world record attempts then by a teenager in 1886. Yeah. No, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it does prove something in terms of how tough people were back then, yeah. you know, um, and how resilient people were. But uh, yeah, that's just, I mean, four days on a t- um, penny farthing coming down the country like that. It, it is all downhill though. You've got to remember that bit. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure that I'm sure these guys yeah, wouldn't, yeah. Wouldn't, wouldn't agree with you. Um, so I, did, yeah. I, I looked for women's records, and I just couldn't find any. I, I suppose it was also male dominated back in the Victorian era, so oh, there, would, there would be yeah. no women's attempts then. But I, but I can't see any evidence of women's attempts now. So there's a challenge for somebody out there. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Interesting to see if anyone on a, takes on a, that on. Maybe on a modern, a modern. Um, uh, penny farthing with, with you know pneumatic tyres with rubber tyres, uh, not not steel rims uh, or steel. Well, these they still call them tyres, but they were steel, weren't they? Well, they did. They did have. Well, it was rubber, but it was um, hard rubber. It hard wasn't. Rubber. Uh, it wasn't yeah. uh, inflated. But um, yeah, male or female, it's going to be pretty unpleasant. I would have thought. Um, oh yeah. yeah, definitely. So um, so have you ridden a penny farthing? Uh, not a real one. I, I've actually ridden a uh, kid's one. They, there was a company here in New Zealand that used to bring them around to schools and there was sort of mini versions of the, uh, they were really cool. I mean, they were the, the exact shape of a, um, a penny farthing, but they had, you know, sort of little, little fat tires or, or a big fat tire on the front, a little fat tire on the back. And um, they were just a fun, th- sort of one of these fun things. They used to bring a bunch of different styles of bikes for the kids to play on. So I had to go on one of them, but it wasn't really, you can't really class- classify that as a penny farthing. Yeah. yeah, I think I, I think I need to go and have a go one. I'm not I'm not sure why I'm saying that because I'm as I say I was half terrified watching the just watching it on the television. Yeah. Um but what is funny is actually if you see some of that old black and white footage of them racing on velodromes and you know and on penny farthings and stuff, 
um, um, particularly when they haven't they haven't slowed the speed down. You know, so when it's on the the original recorded um, sort of um, I don't know what you call it, but the, I don't know what the speed is. But when you see those old black and white movies when they're moving really really fast, yeah. It's quite funny to watch. Yeah, yeah, very. You know, but you know, whether it's back in the eighteen eighties or or in the last year or two now, it's pretty impressive stuff. I have to say. Oh, it is definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So let's so let's head over to the interview now. So a little bit earlier, I interviewed yep. Alex Reeves from Charlotte's Tandems, and Alex will tell this the story of Charlotte's Tandems in the interview. So let's just go straight over to. Alex, t- tell us tell us about Charlotte's Tandems, how it came about. Okay, so Charlotte is my elder daughter. She's currently, um, well, she's 23 years old. Um, she has severe learning difficulties, autism, and is non-verbal. And uh, basically what this means to her is that she's never learnt how to ride a bike. Um. I've always just been a leisure cyclist, just for commuting and getting to and fro places. I'm not a serious road bike or a mountain bike or anything like that, but I've always ridden the bike. And um, when she was a ba- when Charlotte was a baby, we, we used to put her on a, a bike seat on the back of the bike. And then when she got too big for that, we then went onto a tag along bike. In other words, a single wheeled bike that attaches on via the seat post of the towing bike and then when she got to about seven or eight she then started to get too big for it and the tag along would lean over to one side and uh, sort of pull us out into the middle of the road which isn't very safe really <laughs> so we thought well what can we do next because she's not going to be able to ride her own bike we're not going to be able to go on big long trips um, or visits to anywhere so we thought well what's next so we thought well maybe a tandem um, and we went to our local bike shop, just a small little one in, in the town where we live. And of course, he didn't have a tandem there. Uh, he had some catalogues with some tandems in. He said, you know, we could have a look at. We thought, well, we're not going to spend, uh, well, this was 15 years ago now. We weren't going to spend several hundred pounds on a new tandem when we don't know whether it's going to work for her. So we went down to a specialised bike shop uh, that sells tandems. Not specialised the brand, I mean specialised as in a, a bike shop that sells tandems. And um, we had a look at their tandems and they were all rather nice, but they were costing several thousand pounds. And we said to them, well, we simply can't buy one of these from you without trying it. So we said, well, can we try it? And they said, no. We thought, ah, well, that puts the stoppers on that, really. And so we went back to our local bike shop and said, well, the only next thing for us to do is for you to order one of these tandems in and we'll buy it, just without trying. And unfortunately, well, we did. Unfortunately, it worked for us fine. And we rode that tandem for five years or so until she was about 13 and then I thought, well, this is going so well for us. You know, we were able to go out for bike rides together as a family um, that we wouldn't be able to do otherwise. Surely there must be other people in the same boat who 
Um, maybe they can't afford to buy their own tandems. Uh, they wouldn't know where to go looking either. So we thought, well, maybe we could try and get another one, um, which we, we could then lend to her school friends, uh, and then uh, they can do the same thing as us. So I put an advert in the Tandem Club magazine, or on the, I think it was on the, in their discussion board on the internet, and said, well, has anyone got one cheap? Um, second-hand one that we can we can buy off you. And within seconds, there was a reply from someone saying, I've got one sat in my garage that I'm not using. You can have it if you're going to be lending it out to other people. So uh, we went down and collected this old tandem that was sat at the seaside. It was quite rusty, but it worked. And uh, so I brought it home, and it was actually a, a better tandem than the one we had bought previously. So I got it, um, it was all rusty um, and bits needed replacing. So I got it stripped down, got it powder coated, um, built it all back up again. And um, it's worked fine for us for the last 10 years. So our old tandem, I, the one that was newer, we actually then started lending out. Um, initially to people from Charlotte's school and then eventually to other people. However, in the meantime, due to the back, on the back of that, that one um, request that I put on the Tandem Club discussion board, I then got another offer within a couple of weeks. And then within two months, I had two more. So that summer I managed to get four tandems. Um, and starting lending to them out to all people around Gloucestershire and Bristol, and South Wales. And then uh, it just kept growing. Um, I think it was about six months in, I then got a request from someone over in Essex. He said, you seem to be doing a good job over there. Can I help you? So we, we set him up and he started lending out tandems over in Essex. And then within a year, I think someone up in Cheshire then joined us and he started lending them out. And it grew and grew and grew. And I think within the first year, we were up to 20 tandems. Um, and, you know, we weren't just lending them out to children like Charlotte, we were lending them out to adults. Um, people of, so people of all ages, not just people with autism or learning difficulties, but people with visual impairments, people with physical difficulties like stroke or MS. Um, so all sorts of things, all sorts of disabilities, all sorts of people. And uh, loads of people were, were borrowing tandems from us. Uh, so that's how it all got going, really. And I think now we're currently up to about 150 tandems. We've got about 30 tag-along bikes, got a couple of tandem trikes, um, I think five tag-along trikes. So the fleet's quite big now, and uh, we've probably got 25 helpers all over the UK. Um, Fabulous. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, yeah. Last year, um, we were... Yeah. So last year, we were expecting the pan uh, When the COVID thing started, we thought we were going to drop off and you know, people wouldn't want to borrow from us. But it was actually the reverse. 
Um, lots of um, uh, charities and disability activities shut down completely. And people were then lost for things to do. So then they realised, ah, we could borrow a tandem from Charlotte Standards and go out on our own. So actually last year was our busiest ever year. Um, the number of hires per year had grown from 10 years ago to a peak um, roughly about 2015, and then it started to drop off. Whereas last year, that trough then shot up. We, we were lending, I think we lent out to about 250 people or 250 different crews last year. So we had a really successful year despite COVID. Yeah, that's wonderful to hear. I think that there's so many great stories about cycling in 2020, and this is you know, this is one of the special ones, isn't it? So, what? Tell me what the difference is that that um, that it makes to people on on tandems. So, what what's what's the impact on them? Okay, so for lots of people with learning difficulties, um, doing going into a strange place can be quite difficult. However. Uh, you know, and parents can find it difficult to to take their children or whoever they're looking after outside, taking them to new places. Whereas if you're sat on a bike, you're already in a familiar place. You've got that, um, the feeling that you can feel the handlebars, the handlebars are the same, the seat's the same, the saddle, the pedals are all the same, the motion's all the same. So that's one less thing to get for someone to get worried about. And uh, the scenery is changing, which is fantastic, as we all know, as a cyclist. Um, so that's a great way for getting someone who's unsure about going outside into new situations to taking them somewhere um, new and, and fun. Um, it's also great exercise for those people because they might not be putting much effort in, but the repetitive motion of turning the pedals actually sort of stimulates things in the body, gets the blood flowing. Uh, and for people with autism, especially, um, repetition is fantastic um, because they're happiest with repetition. Um, I hope I'm not repeating myself too much here. No, not at um, all. No, not at all. So, and, and, and then for, for people with disabilities like Parkinson's, again, repetition is fantastic. Um, it, it helps you, for people with Parkinson's, it helps, um, they can remember how to cycle, but sort of getting going is very difficult. So on a tandem, you are sort of towed around to begin with, your feet are moved by the person in front, uh, and you get used to that motion and it sort of kicks back in. And people remember again how to how to cycle. That can be a fantastic thing. Obviously, for people with visual difficulties, people who are blind um, or can't see very well, then obviously a tandem is probably the only way that you're, they're going to be able to cycle. And uh, <clears throat> in the Olympics and Paralympics, there are, there are tandem races. Um, these are only restricted to people with visual dif difficulties. 
So yeah, fantastic to hear the the impact that tandem cycling has on on the users of you know a whole variety of um, different users that you that you lend out to. But what would you say to someone out there who's thinking of using a tandem? You know, maybe maybe just for them for, for themselves and their their partners, or if they've got um, you know dis- disabled family members or friends that they want to help out. What what, what advice would you give to them? Okay, the main advice really is first have a go. Um, try and borrow one from someone first. If you've got um, a disability or additional need, then you can obviously borrow from us, Charlotte's Tandems. You can find details about us at charlottestandems.co.uk or you can look on Facebook. We've got a very, very active um, Facebook site where you can see lots of pictures of lots of people riding, lots of videos and lots of nice comments. So have a look at that. So as I saying, try and borrow one. If if you haven't got one of those disabilities or additional needs and just want to have a go, then the people at the Tandem Club are very helpful. And there's probably going to be someone just around the corner from you with the Tandem that I'm sure would let you have a ride. So the best thing to do is have a go first of all, because it's not for everyone. Some people get on, have, have a go and hate it. Um, that's usually if the person on the front isn't very confident. If you're confident on the front, then usually the person on the back will be confident too. So if possible, go with someone confident on the front, a confident bike rider, someone who's quite fit and active. Uh, So borrow one first of all, charlottestandems.co.uk is the place to go. Thanks, Alex. We, we've, for our listeners who are outside of the UK, I did have a look beforehand, and there are other organisations in other countries that do something similar. So I think the the traditional Google search, if you're outside of the UK, will take you to um, some similar organisations to to Charlotte's Tandems. Alex, thank you so much for joining us. It's been an absolute pleasure to hear about the the fantastic work that you're doing, and hope long you know long may you continue, and hope that you grow and provide tandems for more and more people in the future and help them to have um, and more enjoyable and uh, have great experiences on more enjoyable lives and more great experiences on the bike thank you very much so foggy the power of of cycling and the, and the benefits of of cycling regardless of your fitness or capability it's it's impressive isn't it it, it's incredibly impressive, and I, I, I mean, it's just uh, inspirational that project. And you know, starting off with 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 a secondhand uh, tandem, and then building up to having—I I don't know—I can't remember how many said they've got eventually, but you know, dozens of them that they can lend out across the country. Very, very um, worthwhile project, and you know, well, well done to them. Um, but it, it does prove the point. I mean, cycling is for everyone, um, and the, you know, in some form or other, you, you can, you know. Most people, I would say, ninety-nine percent of people can actually get on some form of bike at some stage, whether it's assisted or or unassisted. You know, um, so a very cool project. Yeah, it's mightily impressive, and and because there, there is, and we've talked about this before, you know, about that the sensual stimulation that you get from from cycling, yeah. and I can completely see how. Um, you know how people who have got these various challenges can get that same or similar pleasure out of it and I, and I see that as I've said before at Cyclopark in previous podcasts we we run 
programs there and and kind of riding sessions for all sorts of different people with you know with with various levels of ability and disability and it's just amazing to see people come out and the the pleasure that they get and the thrill that they get from it Um, and what's also great is that through through lockdown here in the UK that that these that sort of disability sports been allowed to continue as well which is which must be an absolute godsend to to these people Oh, definitely. I, I mean, I, I can remember way back 15 plus years ago, 20 years ago, there was a project in the UK that I, I'd seen a number of times called uh, Wheels for All. I'm not sure it still exists, but what they what they were a charitable uh, project that brought different forms of, whether they were tandems, trikes, whatever, different forms of bikes to, to various places for people with disabilities to, to, to ride. And there's another project which I've seen recently over here in New Zealand, which actually I think it emanated out of either the states or Canada, or one of those places, and it's it's called cycling without uh, cycling without age. Um, and um, one of one of the cool um, uh, bikes that, that that or it's actually a, a trike. It, it's it's like a reverse rickshaw. So the people sit in the front and the pilot pedals from the rear, and it gives them that sense of being freedom and being out in the air and and you know although they're not actually in control of the machine it's just that you know that ability to be out there and again that's for people who are are you know not not able to ride um because of infirmity or disability or whatever but they can sit and enjoy uh, being in the outdoors um and i've come across that again actually funny enough that just this week um there's a, a retirement village over at queenstown um called uh, i think it's called Queenstown Country Club. It's actually quite a quite a an upmarket sort of retirement village. And they're looking at um, putting in a program there where they can get people out on conventional bikes, people out on tandems, people out on other other forms of uh, trans, uh, you know, sort of bike transport. So yeah, very, very cool. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. Fantastic. So have you have you done much? Because I know you you were involved with Cycling New Zealand and working at the velodrome there. Was there much in the way of disability cycling that you that you saw there yeah 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 uh well, there was a whole program that was built over the last few years called the trikes program and they just titled it the trikes program but basically there was um a whole raft of um of adapted bikes um so there was hand bikes uh, hand cycles um uh, trikes uh tandems uh tandems then there was a side by sides um so somebody could sit alongside um you know a person um uh, and just a, it, it kept it was always ever evolving so there was there'll be different adaptations to different bikes and the program started off as just like i don't know a very very small handful of people coming to it and it grew and it grew and it grew so the demand got bigger and bigger so they, they almost had pretty much every day on the infield of the velodrome at um cambridge in new zealand they they, they had a a group in and the groups range between people with uh, learning disabilities, um, people with physical disabilities, um, uh, um, older demographic people who are, you know, uh, needing assistance. And they, what they would do is ride on the, the, the concrete infield and put out little courses of obstacles and things for them to ride over and get familiar with stuff. And then the ones that were able to would actually, they were allowed to ride their bikes on the, um, the apron of the velodrome. Um, just so that they they almost felt like they were part of the um, you know part of the system. The, the 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 downside to that was you'd get some people just taking it a little bit too far, and they got a little bit overconfident, and they'd start to try and put the rear wheel of a trike up onto the uh, onto the boards and stuff like that, which is 
which was, you know, a no-no, but but it was it just it, it still goes on now. It's a really cool program. So and there's oh, sorry, I've just gone off on a bit of a tangent. There's also there's a guy here uh in New Zealand who's operates out of a shop in a place called Levin, which is on the North Island. And uh he's he runs a company called Trikes International. And he he originally started adapting bikes himself and now he imports them and and you know um, gets them around the country for various people. He's been very supportive of, of you know, people, a young guy that I've posted up uh, um, on our site over here called Jaden uh, Glentworth, who broke his back. He's 16, um, downhill mountain biking, and, and he's now been provided, was loaned a, a, tr- uh, a, th- a three-wheel uh, um, hand cycle to, to compete in an event recently um through that company so it's just, there's a lot of stuff going on here which is really cool to see it's it, it mean you know for me it's the magic bit that's you know cycling's for everybody yeah 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 as you say it's for that just under the surface and there's a whole lot going on um, yeah I, it, it shouldn't be under the surface i mean we're, yeah. we're trying to make it mainstream you know and and because if it, to be completely inclusive then the, as soon as you as soon as you sort of separate something out and say right this is paracycling or whatever um it it, it kind of makes it less mainstream. So even at elite level now, we've got paracycling integrating with Cycling New Zealand, which is the national sports body. So so at that level where we've got the, the para-athletes that are likely to be going to the Paralympics, we're integrating. So there shouldn't be, a, you know, the, the, the support mechanisms are there for everybody. And I think at the, at the community end, um, you know, again, it, it really needs to be um, sort of pushed a little bit harder that it becomes something that's mainstream um so then people don't feel excluded and, and have, uh, you know have difficulties finding adapted bikes or places to ride etc yeah great well said yeah. foggy so yeah so thanks so much to alex reeves and and uh, charlotte's tandems for coming on to the uh, to the to the podcast if you're in the uk then check them out um they're always they're always after donations and um and help so if you listen to this and and want to help them out uh, then you know please please go and do that and then you know, if you're outside of the uk then just do a quick google search because there are I, I looked around and most countries have charities or organizations that do this do this sort of support uh, yep. uh to make make cycling as inclusive as possible and make and make sure everyone can get the pleasure that, that we get out of it uh, absolutely yeah. yeah so foggy what's um what are your plans for the rest of the week into the weekend oh i kick up yeah kick off um the cycling uncovered uh, yeah. workshop tonight um that's uh that's uh, gonna be well hopefully it's gonna be leading to a lot more um and then I've got a, uh, we've got some riding to do later on in the week. Um, and actually next week, um, I'm going to be driving a few people around the local trails, just dropping them off um, and collecting them again once they've enjoyed the Central Otago Rail Trail. So I've just got a little bit of, um, uh, it's a bit of a fill-in job really just to do stuff, but I think it's quite it's quite cool just to be able to drive people for 150 k's down the trail and, and talking bikes while I'm driving them and then pick them up the other end. <laughs> so that'd be quite cool. I have to say, it yeah. sounds like quite a, yeah, I'm quite envious again of that. Oh, it's no stress. Yeah. I don't have to think. All I've got to do is talk bikes. So <laughs> just keep your, keep yeah. your eyes on the road though when you're driving. Oh, that could be a problem. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> are you, are you, yeah. are you a trained driver as a, as a policeman? Yes. Yes. So I, um, I was a, they call it a class one, I was a pursuit driver. I did it for years and 
And then over here, the qualifications you need for uh, driving the minibuses is what they call a, a P license, which is a passenger license. And I've also done a class two, which means I can drive this, the bigger minibuses. So you've got to do those qualifications before you can drive people around. And I did that because I um, I thought it'd be useful, you know, one one day just as a semi-retirement job. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so, I mean, driving minibuses is, is second nature. To, you know, when you're driving an armoured minibus that's all, you know, with grills and in heated situations at high speed and stuff like that. Driving someone down the central Otago rail trail is, 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 is real easy. I just <laughs> watch this space, mate. I hope we don't crash now. <laughs> I, I just so want to be there when some daft road rage driver tries to take you on foggy. You know. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm a really chilled out I'm, person these days, mate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Fantastic. Well, I, yeah, I, the weather, weather forecast is good here in the south of the uk so yeah lots more get out, yeah, get, get out and start to enjoy there's something about spring as well just makes yeah makes life even better doesn't it a bit of, a bit of blue it sky does, a bit yeah. of warmth. makes people happy yeah yeah, yeah. so seasonally yeah. affected disorder you go the other way and you get happy yeah 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 <laughs> yeah well i always I always try to look for the the positives in the in the seasons but yeah winter winter here is not Anyway, I'm starting again, so I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop. Yeah, no, shut up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, well, thanks, Foggy. Thanks, everyone, for listening. No worries.